welcome to the Unlimited Creative Podcast, Owning Your Eunice. My name is Renee Kitson, and I'll be sharing different perspectives on what it means to be a multi-talented creative, as I highlight resources and voices that could aid you through your inventive journey. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Diri Gabidan, the storyteller, a Caribbean creative, designer, art director, arts critique, baker, social media personality. We'll be hearing from him as he talks about his struggles, the issues that he's faced, and his triumphs as he transitioned from the space of Jamaica to New York and how it is that support systems around him through Edna Manley College, the Visual Performing Arts, and even the companies that he worked with enabled him to be where he's at today. Yes, it might seem like this talk is for a visual artist, but he has so many tips and how it is that you can sustain yourself within a changing world. So in the meantime, in between time, <laughs> just like, share, subscribe to this podcast so you can have more talks like this coming your way. We'll begin this session by asking Diri, what does creativity mean to you? Creativity is how you internalize the world around you, then push it back out. In whatever medium you've chosen to do that with, whether you're using words, whether you're using um, paint or, or, you know, sound. Yeah. Yeah, I love that definition. So as you interpret the world around you and you push it back out, how did that start for you when you felt like you knew that this is just like, I am a creative? How did you start off? Where, when did you start to acknowledge yourself um, in that light? Uh, I was always into art growing up. You know, my, my cousin was into art and because of him, I... I was like, all right, you know what? Let me. I respected him so much that I followed him in drawing and all that stuff. I never really looked at art as a career, you know. And in in my head, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna be a doctor. I'm not gonna be a scientist, or you know, one of those things. But it wasn't until like grade eleven where, because I had repeated grade eleven because I felt like I was too young to go out into the working world at sixteen. I never had the idea of more than myself, and. <laughs> So I basically had all the time on my hand, but one day I was walking by the art department and, you know, I was like, I as well just try art, you know? So I went to, and I signed up for it to, to do it in CXC. And as the year went on, the, one of the teachers was like, yo, you're, you're really good at this. You should apply for the art school in, you know, Edna. And I'm like, Edna? <laughs> Why would I want, no, I'm good. So, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, you we you tech, you know, but I, I was to him saying Edna, I had never heard of Edna, you know. So I was only going off what I thought prestige was, you know. So I, I was like, oh, let me fall in line and go to you, we are you tech, go do something, you know. But he had gotten the application for me, helped me fill it out and say, Yo, I have to drop it off. And, you know, if you now have nothing else happening, September morning, which would be the next year. You know, yeah. If you get through, you go. If you're not, and if it, yeah, basically, if whatever I'm not for the September, back I go. So, as it turns out, I had nothing else to do. When I went to Edna, it kind of opened my eyes. You know, it made me realize how much I was ignoring who I truly was as a creative person. You know, that that was when I started to feel like at home. And it's, it's not like I never felt at home in previous places that I've been, but at Edna, life just made sense to me. In terms of like the folks that I was meeting there, you know, there were other creative people and I was just like blown away by that. And I feel like, so it's around that point in time, 16-ish, that I really started to look at having a life in, in the creative field. So if it is that you could go back in that time period, what song would you say would put you in the mood to create something or to do something? <laughs> right in that time then. In that time then, I was in my emo phase. That, that was that was like my follow boy phase. Like my, yeah, follow boy, switch foot, like rock phase. I wasn't really bumping anything else like that, you know? We sang, um, we sang, we sang, Evan and Sons. We sang, we sang. Damn, this is heavy. Why is this so heavy? It's a follow-up boy song. Which one? Let's go with Sugar, We're Going Down. Like, give me a line. Sing a line. We're going down, down in an earlier round. And Sugar, we're going down swinging. I'll be a number one with a bullet. Loaded, got a complex, cock it and pull it. Something like that. <laughs> 
that resonated <laughs> with me so much. I don't know why I hadn't up to this day, but still I know where my thought about another song. So now that you've gotten the gist of talking about music, which I know you love to do, even just the selection that you chose, it's not Jamaican. And I know that you're a music lover, like dynamic music lover. So we obviously see that there is like an American influence there. But like, tell me about that transition of like going to the US, living in New York, or even before you live in New York to still own yourself as a creative. Mm. How did that start off? Here's where I was when I moved to New York. I was in my third year of college. And, you know, it was at a point in time where I felt like I was just on the mill of things like go to college, get a degree, you know? Um, I didn't know what I, what I wanted to do with my, myself. You know, I never wanted I was just at Edna at this point, you know, from the enthusiasm of first year to the dread of third year, I was just like, yo, at this point, I'm just here. I think one of the best things that happened to me was that I migrated in the sense that it took me out of the treadmill that I felt like I was on where I was just doing something because, but I had no real reason as to why I, I lost the reason why I was doing it basically. Um, so when I came here, I went. I was in upstate Rochester, and I was with family. But the plan was that I was supposed to come to school here. But when I started seeing the tuition of schools over here, I was just like, <laughs> "Ain't no way!" You know, like one of the schools that I wanted to go to was asking for like forty-seven thousand dollars per year, and they would have wanted me to redo my third year, so I would I would have two years remaining instead of one. And I was just like, yo, $47,000. I could send me to school in Jamaica for like four years. I could probably get a little car. I could get a boarding for a hostel. I could have food and art supply. But I think this is not going to work. So um, I ended up going to work at a Walmart. And let me tell you, one of the most important things that I found, found from that is, you know where you want to be in life? when you're somewhere that you don't want to be. Because, look, I ain't knocking a job, but I quickly realized that creativity and, and being in that, the creative space was who I am and, and is what I wanted to do with my life. It made me start to look for outlets and ways into being creative to, to just, like, satiate that, that thing in, in my head, you know? I got back into drawing because I'd lull for a bit between um, third year and then. At this point, we're in like mid-2010. So I was, no, getting back into drawing. Uh, and it was all because I was doing things that I didn't want to be doing, you know? It just so happens that I finally decided that, look, I'm going to take a trip back to Jamaica and vacation. Because at this point, I was in America for three years and I hadn't been home. When I went back to Jamaica, I, I saw, ran into Sutar. And I remember Sutar saying, yo, why don't you just come back to Jamaica and finish up school? And in my head, it just made sense, you know, because I was, I was in America doing nothing, really. You know, I'm just like wishing that I an opportunity to be creative, but there was none for me. I was working at a Walmart. So sure enough, I came back to America, quit, gave them my two weeks at Walmart. And basically by August, I was back in Jamaica ready to like wrap up my degree. I'm happy the way things played out, you know? Like I was able to make the choice that working in creativity was what I wanted to do. You know, instead of feeling like no, this is just a chore. I don't know, I feel like if I could go back in time and speak to my younger self, I could better informing on myself on why I was doing what I was doing. You know, I kind of felt like a loss. The site of that, I definitely did, but I'm glad I found it. And I'm glad that I, I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And to your point, in terms of the music, so interestingly, so prior to moving here, most of the music that I listened to was strictly American rock, you know, alternative, some hip hop. But when I moved here, all of that changed. So I, even though the, the artists that I tell you now are, are Americans, like when I came here, it pushed me back into Jamaicanness. Yeah, because it, it, I wasn't in the environment. You know, Jamaica is a, it's its own like thing that it can't really explain. Like the little things that we, we have there, we kind of take for granted. You know, 
Like I remember even, for instance, hearing people on the rain, I don't know, Alan and the rain. Yeah, let's use Alan and you know, there are charming elements to the environment that we grew up in in Jamaica that we kind of take for granted. I wake up over here so, and I'm here, I care a hunk and, you know, police car a drive by or something. I don't mean, hear no bird outside, you know what I mean? No tree little birds not stop by them when they are. <laughs> so when I came here, it, pushed me back. It made me start to look back on like Jamaica's influence on me. It made me realize that, yo, as much as I was, I like rock music and all that stuff. My love dance my love, you know, reggae more than I realized. Well, like one of my fondest memory, and this all ties into creativity. But no, I like these days, I'm, you give me a choice between going somewhere and hearing something, and I can choose dance off and reggae because I love it. It gives you your identity. Sometimes we run away from, oh no, you know, I'm going to really like this. But then when it come, me come over here, so I started meeting people who like the things that I like. I was like, can I really relate to what I like that still enough? <laughs> As you were talking about that, you basically were just kind of like highlighting how it is that you know, the cultures clash when it is that you as a Jamaican going into the space of Northern America, you're thinking along the line of like, all right, homo hold on to myself. But when it comes to like the arts are the, specifically in the field that you're in, which is um, applied arts, which is like design oriented kind of arts, graphic design. How would you differentiate the space between Jamaica's approach and the U.S.'s approach, the workspace, people that you work with, how it is that you go about designing. Did, how did you connect you know, your degree to what you're doing now? No one has ever asked to see my degree. <laughs> um, this is not to say a degree isn't necessary because I feel like the works that I was able to show to even land my internship, I wouldn't have gotten it without the my degree, pursue my degree. One of the major difference that, differences that I've found is that people believe in design in America. It's not not everybody because it still have some places that treat it like a, you know like an afterthought. In my experience, most of the places that I've worked at, they believe in design. You know, and I don't have to do a lot to convince them, which is also a testament to me <laughs> and them you know but same time there are places that they'll take advantage of you and, 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 I, and I think in speaking to my Jamaican counter half you know my other half it seems like that is there too you know I don't have a vast a lot of experience working in, in design in Jamaica but um, I do wish that people had more space to create you know like there's a cultural difference in, ter- in design between America and Jamaica. And it's often because of how we've been conditioned to interact with design. I've always joked that my my design style, I don't know that I could have had the career that I have right now in Jamaica without feeling like I had to compromise some aspect of myself. But this isn't a knock on Jamaica. I have a very minimalist design style. And somebody might sit at that and say, yo, and just put one lick of that on the paper, you know, but, <laughs> but I know. You haven't told me how it is that you got into the field of design or the creative job that you're presently in. How did you go about getting into that specific um, space Ooh, of working that's... in the U.S.? After I wrapped up my degree in Jamaica, my MacBook crashed. <laughs> they wanted me to pay like a million dollars in Jamaica for getting fixed. And I was just like, yo, can't pay this. So I moved back to America. And when I was here, I was just like, yo, you know what? I want to move to New York City. Uh, it just so happened that I, I crashed with my sister for a bit. She moved away, crashed with some cousin while I was still trying to like land jobs here, but I wasn't get I wasn't successful. But then I then I had a thought, yo, maybe I should just try internship. So I started cold emailing people. I'd see the works that I'm doing. I'd be like, yo, I like your work. Can I come work for you? I'll do it for free. I don't know. That was dumb. Don't, don't do no work for free. But yeah, I was just, I was really just trying to get my foot through the door. So I, I was just there like emailing people like I'll work for free. Um, and this was barred. Between when I came back to America and no, this is like eight months between, you know. So for like eight months, my dad had a job and, you know, 
people were just like, yo, so I ended up just head back up, up to Rochester. And I'm like, yo, I don't want to go back up to Rochester. There's nothing there for me. Well, my family's there and I love them, but it's just Walmart now. So I started cold emailing companies. And right as I was about to give up, like, I was like, yo, nothing to come say, you know, my, my money done. But just, I was just in the lowest point. Like, this the, this company called DC3 had reached out to me. They're based in Brooklyn here. And they're like, yo, we have a junior designer position open. You should, you know, come, come in and interview part. And I was like, sure. But I went, I went in, I interviewed for it. But I told him that I didn't want it. I wanted an internship. And I had to be honest with myself because I never understood the design culture here. I wanted to learn it. I wanted to acclimate to it without putting myself on like the chopping block of while they saw potential in me, in my imposter syndrome wouldn't, wouldn't allow, allow me to say the same with MC. So I was just like, no, you know what? I would have rather just take the internship and and learn from Uno without the pressures of you know Uno paying me and then feeling like yo I'm not deliver in the way how we would like you know so I was like no nah, man I'll just take the internship and they looked at me as if I was crazy you know and I was like nah I'll take the internship took it did cover like my lunch and my travel so it wasn't for free but. Um, I'm glad that I did that because those guys are today still like my best friends. You know, like if I'm if I'm having a link up right now, those guys are gonna be here. Um, so that's how I got in through the door through an internship. I would recommend it to anybody. You know, if you can get in with a full time job, sure, but don't knock an internship because you have to start somewhere. And and at that point, people people could ask me too old. At that point, I was like. 25 going 26. I, I was like, I'm going to have no choice. You know, <laughs> like, now I got my guy off do this for getting through the door because I found that the design industry here, it's kind of like a coconut. Tough on the outside, but it has something sweet and nice in other middle. You know, like once you, once you break the shell, you go through the internships. I just like, all right, boom, bang. I got my foot in the door. Let's learn from these guys. And yo, they taught me so much. They, they taught me, like, the, to me, those guys were like design ninjas in comparison to like what I was used to. And, and chatting to one of my creative directors at the time, John, he had said something to me that changed my life. Because I used to take forever when I was designing, you know? And he, and he, and he looked at me and said, yo, if the computer isn't making your life easier, you're using it wrong. That stuck with me like forever, you know. Point in, in my life, I was taking two days to do a logo. Like, what? You know, that that's that's insane. And I saw him like do the same logo that I was trying to create in like 30 minutes. It showed me how how much I had to learn, especially from, from these guys. And it made me also realize that I never felt bad about when nobody really taught us how to use the softwares in design. You know, like, you just go and you play with it. I go watch tutorials, but I learn by seeing people do it. I'm a visual learner, you know, like, yeah, in the moment with you, you show me up and do something and I get that. I think that was like one of the more pivotal moments in my career and me breaking in to the industry here. Um, after that, I did another internship, and then I went full-time with a company that I never really stayed too long. I, yeah, and I got fired from this job, actually. I don't know if I got fired or I got let go. It might be the same thing, semantics. Um, <laughs> but it was after that that I was like, yo, I'm going to freelance. When that happened, yo, I had just got my apartment. But then I was like, yo, how, how am I going to pay the bill? <laughs> how am I going to pay the bill, you know? <laughs> you know? And it was such a bad taste in my mouth that I was like, yo, man, I know someone ever want to go full-time with nobody ever again. And sure enough, I took the leap. I applied for like a, a staffing agency at the time called Creative Circle. And they put me on to like various clients. And you know what changed my life? To step back and bring John, my former creative director, in. When I was at that previous company that I got fired from, they were paying me nothing. They were paying me nothing. But I didn't know this. This leads me to an important point that I think we should all have. An important thing that we should all do as creative people, we should all communicate. 
and we should all talk about what we're doing, what, what we're getting paid, and so on. Like when I told John what I, what I was making at the job, he was just like, <laughs> "Dude, are you on crack?" You know, like this is this this is way below what you should be making. This is this is way so far below. And I was just like, wait, what? So sure enough, that was an important thing to happen in the moment because prior to that, nobody never really thought, you know, we kind of felt like we just figured it out. No, man, just go swim. Yeah, go, you, you'll find it out. You'll figure it out. Went freelancing and that just changed my whole life. You know, like I saw money that I wasn't seeing bit previously, you know, and that was good to know. It feel like a lot of time, my mindset at the time too was that it was so linked to no man, you know, a work, you have to struggle. And that's a flawed mindset. We don't have to struggle. But it was around the point where I realized if you want good your nose off a run is a terrible statement. And nobody should ever follow it. Your nose not off a run every time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes something can come easy. Not everything needs to be a struggle. That, that is not a money thing, you know. That is just, you know. For life in general, you know, we don't have to struggle anytime. Struggle in the natural. We have to invite the, the abundance in. And that was an important thing that I learned around that time. How did you navigate the workspace regarding, you know, you being a creative, knowing that specifically a Caribbean creative, and knowing that you were cultured a certain way, taught a certain way, and grew up in Jamaica? Like, how did you navigate that space in terms of working with people? within a country, you know, where it's multicultural. How did you bring your Caribbean energy in that space? One of the benefits of being Caribbean, the way how we communicate, we communicate simple. Like, it's the simplicity in our communication. I don't know if people ever really look at it. That bodes well for design. When they use a bunch of words for, say, a, a lot of things, you know what I mean? Sometimes we vary to the point in, in the way we speak. So basically, you're saying a girl corner. And I like that because then you're talking about just our bluntness. One thing about Jamaica is that like, are just even a Caribbean. We are going to tell you. We are going to tell you. We have a knack for telling you when something is wrong and, and to fix it. <laughs> people who are in a diaspora, people who leave and basically go into a different space, you then recognize, say, yeah, my affi rep. My affi, yeah. my affi show up as this. I have to be me. I have to be Caribbean. A dirt, a dirt. You get me as that? One of the last things in my transformation of just like embracing my Caribbean was even in the way of my thought. You know, like people be like, so I live for, for, for 12 years or so. You can't walk? No, I can't walk. I mean, <laughs> if I get me drunk enough, I will. However, but at the same time, I remember when I come back to, when I went back to Jamaica, you know, and I sit down in Miss Morrison's office and I remember her saying to me, as I was talking to her, and she was like, Dude, you're not Jamaica now, yeah? You're not for Twang. And I said, Miss Morrison, I'm not Twang. I'm not Twang, you know, but just, but just I thought the way I'm at I know the way I thought. Just, you speak English, you know, they can understand you when you, 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 as you talk as you are. That changed my life. Yeah, I mean, that, it's just about your embracing you're seeing what we have and it is special. You know, need when I need for go off on nothing else. But I, I do understand that it comes down to us, our people being exposed to the world and, and making that choice. So like I'm gonna pull this into the conversation, which is COVID nineteen, twenty twenty. The memory of twenty twenty is still like fresh. Maybe it's family. No. It's <laughs> trauma. Like <laughs> It's his trauma. It's it's his so it's it it has been like a pressure cooker. You know, I don't know how it is that you function within that time period. I just saw you from this side through social media, but I was like, how did you get to the point of like really starting connecting with people through your stories and just sharing your journey as being like an unlimited creative on your rooftop with your shakers? So naturally. I'm I'm more outgoing, you know. And when when I was forced to be inside, I, I was just like, yo, I have to find a way how to get that energy out. So sure enough, I started pre-gaming. And at the time I remember I was it was it was getting warmer 
And I was just in my house and I was on my rooftop. This is, and I, I was playing my guitar and I, and I played it for the, like, the first time. I was like, yo, let me put this on Instagram. And my friends over here who I'd never even seen, they didn't even know that I played the guitar. They were just like, yo, wait, what? You know, like, yeah, I've kind of been doing this since I was 16. Which is how Fall Out Boy from earlier came in because I, I like their music. And I was like, yeah, let me go learn how to play the guitar. All these years later, um, live some semblance of the life that I was living. You know, how do I how do I make my life? How do I make my the space that I was now locked in? Like a space that I would want to be in. So sure enough, I, I went on Amazon, I started buying lights, I bought smoke machines. Uh, I was like, I got my maracas. Well, I had my maracas before that, but I started to plate a lot more. Um, as, and once the time got warmer, I was like, yo, let me go on my roof and start dancing, you know, because I, I, I wanted to be out, but there was nowhere to go. And that was such a tough experience. I feel like through all that time, I was I was just lucky. I was just doing things that I felt I needed for myself. If I wasn't doing that, I don't know that I would have been sane. You know what I mean? It was my coping mechanism. It was just like, yo, let it out. And that, that ties into the creative part of what I, what I was saying. You know, it's interpreting the environment and just like letting it out. That was a necessity. What led you to press record? How did you not succumb to imposter syndrome? Is <laughs> there rum? Is <laughs> yeah. rum? But no, I won't put it to the rum entirely because most of the things that I ended up doing in the pandemic were things that I've always wanted to do. So the bacon thing that I do, I remember having a conversation with Natasha and, and crew, um, or for Natasha, um, about doing that two years prior, you know what I mean? But it was the pandemic and nothing and nowhere else to put. Like the pandemic forced me to act upon the ideas that I had. In the world prior, I was just being distracted by everything that was outside, you know, because New York, you know, the thing with New York City, it will distract you. And there is always something to do. And the pandemic just forced me to settle down and just like, yo, execute some of these things that you've been wanting to do you know end of it all i was just like yo most importantly just have fun be a thing you know like i never needed to be afraid because i was just like at the end of the day i'm doing it from a place of yo i like it you know i'm really just over here like by myself trying to just pass the time just the force of covid19 just saying like you have to let it out there's no way beyond this it just i forgot happened and knowing that this basically in some ways gave you the confidence to just do, you know, what is your process like in creating like one of your baking shows? Baking shows are, are cooking thing. They all, everybody just take it serious. But, you know, sometimes, but I don't know, I sing, I always I dance or something. If I clean my house, you know, whatever, whatever any chore, but I do music I play and, you know, usually I vibe. So I'm like, why not just do that? You know, like, and that's another way of just like interpreting the environment and just pushing it back out, you know. It's but that was my natural self, you know. I, I'm like, yo, magazine, regardless, you know. <laughs> and if I'm baking, mega enjoy managa make it uh this mundane process, you know. I think we all we have, we have choices whenever it comes to the way we decide to execute things, you know. We can, you know. Make it fun, or I will make it a drab. But I got to choose fun and, and just like living. And also to just add to that, like everything you do, you dance to, you do it. And I was just thinking about my experience on like a Sunday morning with my family. Like you know, say right here, hurry up, let's get ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that song in forever. <laughs> hurry up, let's get ready to go. And you hear the gospel at bus. And then everybody's like washing or cleaning. It's just something about music that makes you want to move. You get what I'm saying? So like, I get that. I get how it is that your process is about like innate thing within you that defines you as you, which is a mover, right? Because Manoa said, like every time when I usually would see a post initially before COVID, you'd always be in a gallery space. I, I've never seen art 
the way how you've seen it before. Like sometimes you look at something and you just find the uttermost humorous thing <laughs> out of the piece. Like, yo, who thinks like that? That's that's me also realizing that. Look, art critique criticism is boring. You know, you, you, you can you can really go and choose to take it all serious and be like, oh, let me deconstruct this and the iconoclastic. And I'll, no, the regular person does not care about that. It's seeing something and just like applying what you feel from it. Yo, you have to just unlearn the book sometime and just like. Tell it how you feel, feel, you know, tell it how you see it, you know, like, does this connect with you? And whatever you get from it, you get from it. And I feel, I feel like that's what I've tried, tried to do. You know, and interestingly, if you look back on like some of my earlier art posts, and I don't do it anymore, as much anymore. But if you look back, I was really going in and I was going with like all these breakdowns and all these things. But then, you know, at one point I was like, dog, what are you doing? <laughs> Who is is this? That, that isn't naturally who I am. You know what I mean? So I was just like, yeah, let me just write it. I got, Mark, I shouldn't say it's not naturally who I am because it is. But on a side of you, just taking it light. You know, it now for me this serious thing. No, I need that. Nobody need that. On my Instagram, if you want me to do it in a book, me do it in a book. But at the end of the day, the way how we all live life, it, our experience is different. More, what I want to hear from anybody is their view on it, you know, their perspective. Interestingly, that reminded me of something that you said to me when I was in Jamaica, I think 2019, and you were telling me, I think you were telling me to start a podcast because I had perspective or something. We were talking, it was me, you and Greg. Yeah, I was saying like, Yuri, you need to start a blog. Yuri, you need to start like a blog. Every time you express yourself, I was like, no, something, you're very different. You own it. And your creative perspective just was just like mad humorous. And I was just like, you need to share this perspective. And I was like, Yuri, start a blog. And so when I started to see you expressing yourself online, even in your earlier post of how it is that you just, even though you're just showing the artwork itself. And when I would go through the description, I'm like, this is mad funny. And I think this is appealing (laughs) to the audience that you're engaging with, because then that means that people are really looking forward to see what this artwork is about through your lens. And then I was like saying like, I saw you doing it. And I was like, yes, yes. And that was before you went to Basel. And then I saw another world of art through your stories because I personally never been there before. But the way how you went forward into touring that experience, I was like, one day I'm going to roll in. Even every time I think about it, I remember you showing like the entertainment element of the space of Miami and then also showcasing like what fine art meant for that space and how much of a value it was for you, for 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 creatives within America, because we don't necessarily have that kind of culture here, or to that extent as how it would be within that time period of you know showing artwork. So I was like, I was like, yeah, there is doing it, and then COVID hits, and I was like, either you're going crazy, or <laughs> or you are definitely spouting out something that is authentically you. And you alone could do that. You alone could have engaged an audience like how you have done it. Um, I don't know what the statistics are like on your side or how many persons watch your your stories, but many people probably felt very engaged in that experience. Yeah, I tell even like stories on Instagram. So let's say I'll do a regular post. Let's say for, for my art post, you know, like when I'm going to the galleries. If 200 people view that, so when I'm telling stories on Instagram and I'm like, you're right, you know, these long missive of things where I'm like, ain't nobody going to read this. No way, nobody. Thousands! I'm, I'm like, what? It's <laughs> you know? me. It's me sharing your stories. It's me and everybody else. Everybody else has seen it. I'm like, what? That, that, that blew my mind initially. Where I was like, yo, this is, this is, this is crazy. No, but you're a storyteller. You're a storyteller. We all have something to say, and if we don't say it, who will? 
Yeah. You know, and that, this is, that, that's from where I would encourage anybody to tell the story. You know, look for your life. You know, some hilarious things probably happen. You know, we, we, we can either choose to see the humor in it or we, we, we choose to see the tragedy in it. But even within the tragedy, the outlook that you have, you don't have to be like, oh, this is terrible. You know, like my top boy getting boops out by a girl. And, you know, instead of being like, yo, all girl across is, whenever I do that, of course, you know, but I was just like, yo, this is a fun experience of my younger self experiencing something. And I was, I, I laughed about it, you know? Yeah. You know? Some of it was traumatic. Don't get me wrong. But we have to shift our outlook. I've intentionally chosen to never, you know, give in to the, the darkness. When I say, when I have my times and when I'm just down, but I try not to let it be my my outlook. It can't give you a power away to the darkness. You have to hold on to it and make sure it's like got to the light, you know? That's important. Yeah. So usually when we tell these stories, some of them traumatic, traumatic. Which one? Which now, one you felt was traumatic? There's there's one that I haven't told us yet, and my, my still I worked up to get to it. Like the time that I got robbed on my computer in Jamaica. And yeah, you know, you know, you know that time. Yeah, I know where it was. You years. were walking. Yeah, that's traumatic. But like as the years went by, I can see the humor in it. You know, I I could. I can, I can, that, don't get me wrong, that changed the way how I looked at a lot of people. You know, that in that moment, it had me feeling like, yo, things happen around that situation that not a lot of people know about. And I'll hint at it. The, the folks who stole it contacted me. You know what I mean? And I was, I was just like, what? Messed me up for like, I, I was going to drop out of Edna. Was going to drop out of Edna. It is miss. Uh, Miss Himes that actually wouldn't allow me for dropout because we go up to her because I was in third year. This is January of third year. January 22nd, it happened. And by the next week, my day in Miss Himes' office, like, I'm not on the computer, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to just drop out of school. And Miss Himes looked at me and said, no. You know, and shout out to her because if she she didn't just follow through with it, you know, because she, she really encouraged me at that moment. She was just like, no, this is just one moment. I know you're feeling down, but you can pull through it. And sure enough, I was able to complete third year. Shout out to Sitar, you know, like I was able to... Sitar and, and Yakub, because they had like so many their laptop, the laptop that Sitar sold all up. But I remember how it got. But ultimately, they sold it to me for dirt cheap, like maybe like 3,000 Jamaican dollars, you know? It was a MacBook. And that is such, such like below it. Like just the experience around, around that and like what the folks who stole it told me because I had my whole contact information. That was like one of the lowest points in my life where I was just like, yo, yo, man, I can give up on this. You know, and I just wanted to be like done with it all. You know, I'm grateful that I had people around who just wouldn't allow me for, for really like fall into that pit of darkness that would have impacted when I moved back to Jamaica you know that means I would have to come and then my 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 first my third my second semester third year instead of starting fourth year you know which would have set my life back in in different ways really maybe things I wouldn't have been who I am right now had that had I, was I allowed to deregister no, that was a that was a rough experience, and so one of the reasons why I I only posted art on my Instagram is because I felt like I didn't know if people were watching me to see what I have. I was like, yo, that is not what I want to do. I didn't that that is not my intent. I'm not here to show off anything, you know. So I was just like, let me post art. You know, nobody can nobody, nobody can grudge you for art, jealous of you over art. And I was just like, yo, that, that is good. But as years went on and I and I began to examine the, why I was so private, I only found comfort in the words that you were reading. You know? And as the years went on, I, I started to examine like, yo, does this have to be the only way? You know, like, am I still that same person who is, afraid to show my life, you know? And it wasn't until COVID showed up that I was like, you know what? To hell with it. Just show the you that 
people in your life know who you are. And I feel, I feel like that is who you saw when COVID showed up and I was now on my roof dancing by myself, baking in here, telling stories and all that stuff, you know? Um, it, it was just me being comfortable in, in, in letting go of, like, the trauma of, like, yo, what happened from that one incident there? And I don't say that I'm fully over it, but I can now see there, there are humorous moments in it that I'm like, oh, that that's cool. You know, like how I would tell this story. I'd probably tell this story like, let me tell you how I discovered Adele's music. <laughs> and you'd be like, what? <laughs> and then, then I'd go into telling you this story about being robbed. And then it would end with something like, so on Sotar's computer, which I got in 09, in iTunes, <laughs> was Adele's first album. And I was like, oh, this is no. You know what I mean? And boom, I'm from Dessa. It would tie everything in together. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's seen... Or picking a random thing and just telling the backstory behind it, you know. What are the possibilities for Jamaicans to partner with the spaces that you are presently in, and how do you presently connect diaspora? There isn't many of us in the design space that I'm in right now, and all the places that I've ever freelanced at. When you mean us, what do you mean? That isn't to say that we aren't. They aren't there as they are. You know, like there's Kemar Swaby. Uh, uh, you might know. Um, Nick Anglin, you know, who here, they we're all in the creative field. Beyond like them, there isn't a lot of other people that I know, but I know that they are there though. I'm just not as tapped in with that. So as such, I I can't say that I'm doing anything to really help Diaflora, but I would like to. I, I feel like I'm always willing to share knowledge, you know, like I'm I, I'll give anybody the game. I'm never one of them people who's going to be like, no, I'm not going to tell you how oh, I do it because my wife is struggle. Much like I was saying earlier, I don't believe in struggling. Struggling is not natural, you know. I want I want a million of us for running, you know. If And if there's opportunity that I see that comes up, I'm always willing to give it to somebody who think, yo, could benefit from it. One of the things that I would love to do for my for for myself and when I think of like the evolution of myself is to just have a creative space so that I can allow people to to be themselves in you know like one of the ideas that I had prior to COVID and I still should do it um, I wanted to do a, an art show featuring quite a few of the artists that I know you know that we know really and I wanted to do it here and I found a location that I wanted to do it in but then COVID showed up and just like threw everything all the way off and I haven't revisited the idea since but I do want to you know just give people opportunities gatekeeperism that's not necessarily a word but <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that oh, definitely people are holding the space as theirs in different ways so it can be on different platforms it can be in physical spaces and just even just the group of people that are within that space wanting to own it, you know. But then, like, how do you navigate that big end then if it is that you have to network and connect with people? Yeah, how do you be you in the midst of that? I never go into things thinking that I'm networking. I just go into things thinking that I'm meeting people. Networking has such a you do from like may I do something for you so you have to do something for me kind of thing going you know I never like the word I don't have I don't have a concrete issue with it I just think if you show interest in people just yo boom I like what you're doing like sincerely I feel like it usually get returned networking is basically about branding wearing your label um and sometimes that can be very difficult because like then people would come up to you and ask you like so what do you bring to the table and that's a hard question to answer if it is that you're just doing things because you want to do them you ain't gotta answer that question even though the capacity in which you just asked me usually isn't the professional capacity that that question is asked it is usually in like a relationship <laughs> in a way but I don't think you, you have to answer that question. Anybody come up to you and ask you what you bring to the table, you literally don't answer them. 
because uh, one, that's a that's a messed up question to ask anybody. You bring yourself, you bring your spirit, you bring you bring your energy. These are things that people treat like it's not a commodity, but it is a commodity. You bring your knowledge, you bring your experience. You know, these are things. You know, like the way you see the world, nobody else to see it like that. Yeah, you know. Uh, so for for ask somebody what they bring is 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 it is it is putting not a lot of people will be able to answer that because you know some people are self-aware themselves aware and themselves conscious at the same time you know what i mean let's find out our commonalities and see how we can like best work together with that we are a caveman are, are them prehistoric people that we need for battle with nobody you know we, we can we can talk it we can talk it through and see yo okay as i said this is this element is your strong boy Yo, let's work together on that. You know, don't force people to bring something to the table. Even if I just come with an empty, I may appreciate you. Yeah, <laughs> you, know you need a fukong. You need a fukong. Yeah, and this is at the point where you're just like, you have to just happy for people's existence. You know, whether them have something where you want, or you don't. You know? Yeah. Like we're here together in in this life, at this moment in time. We're never born in a 1400. And you never bought in a year, three thousand over there, right? That's all right now. You bring to the table is your ex- is, is the life that you live. But now I said there isn't people who we are not gonna meet and them like you're not in your life. Yeah. There will always be. But you know, at the same time, it no means that them not deserve for them. Yeah. Are are occupying the space that they occupy. So what you bring to the table, you know, thanks for that. Is and in some ways it is. Yeah. It's really and truly, it is a relationship as well because you are, you have to be vulnerable in some ways to be led or to lead or to, because you can spend a lot of time working with people. Basically, you're living with them in a workspace. True. But here's the thing though, and this is why I think that question shouldn't get asked. But And this is just my beef with the question because there's another way you could ask it that isn't so... That doesn't just have such a negative connotation, you know. That doesn't just put the weight on you to prove to me why you deserve to be here. You know yeah. What I mean? You don't get to the point that you are unless you deserve to be there. Mentally, you know, as much as people are like, "Oh no, this just happened overnight," or no, you don't get to that point unless you deserve to be there. Telling somebody that they need for dance right now, so so you can see them can dance. And I mean, in a sense, they obviously know something that got them to this point. Let's naturally find out what that is. You know who you are. You know the life that you've lived. And yeah. Yeah. Don't, you know, and I have a proof not to nobody. Got to take my cap away, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've been asked that question twice from since I've been in this art journey. And God know, like, every time I'm saved, I'm, I'm just being me. I'm just being me. And like it hold me away because I've never been asked that before because I've always just been like me. But then, you know, the concept of prove yourself to me, it makes you question like, am I enough? Am I worthy enough? Then does this mean that I can't be in your space or I'm not being in your space? And then it leads back to, to questioning like, oh, so this might lead to some type of rejection. Some people might just ask it as an in, a, innocent, like in an innocent way. But I think we have to be conscious of how we, we do that. When you when say, what, what do you bring to the table? What are you really asking somebody? You know, you have to, you have to think how, how that, that paralyzes, that could paralyze anybody. You know, and anybody who have an answer for you when they say, "Yo, what do you bring for the table?" and they can tell you straight off the bat, that is something that them write down and them and them, them memorize. You know what I mean? When them say elevator picture or whatsoever, but no, you know that isn't natural. That isn't who somebody is. That is the rehearsed version of themselves. You want to find out who they are as they know themselves to just naturally be. You know, and this is why we must have even networking. When I want networking in a, as, a, as a way of just like get knowing you because you do this. More, I know your spirit, your, your personality, you know, like tell me the things that both you would even matter in regards to this moment. Tell me what the cat you didn't have as a, as a, as a pitney, you know, like because 
in those moments, I feel like you can get a better understanding of who, who someone is, yeah. you know, and how they could add to your life and add value to your life, add value to whatever you're doing. What advice would you give to those that would want to move beyond the space of Jamaica and want to have that type of experience that you're having, which is working in New York? What would you say to them? You got to be willing to be flexible. Much like I hinted earlier, I came here thinking, yo, I want a job, I want to have money. But when I said, yo, that route was not working, I was like, yeah, let me set up your internship. Bend a little. Um, and beyond that, you got to have tunnel vision in terms of what you want. You have to really believe in yourself because at the end of the day, if you don't believe in a you, that's it. You know, because the way this world set up, the world doesn't care about you like that. You know what I mean? The, the only thing you really have is what is inside of you. And maybe the people who are, who are around you, but we, we can't put our future in the hands of anybody else other than our own. Believe in yourself. Um, if this is something that you want, jot down, write. See me, I'm a, I'm a big believer in writing down what you want. You write it down so you can see the steps. You know, you write out the steps so you need protect. I guess that is manifestation in some way. Um, but, you know, it's the clarity. It's into knowing, yo, all right, I am here right now and I need to get to there. What would I need to do? Um, believe in yourself. Plan, you know, have faith. Yeah, those are two of the most important things that I would tell anybody because this system will test you. You'll come over here and you'll just be like, yo, no, it's odd. You know, culturally, this different. Trust me, it, once you get beyond the barrier, once you, once you find some way to get in to the door, all of this open up to you, you know, everything. It, it's just like figuring out that first step. And however you choose to do it, you do it. It was important to me that I stayed within the creative field after I came back to America, um, you know, because... While I wasn't making any money, all, I never wanted to lose sight of what I wanted for myself. And, you know, being Jamaican, being from the Caribbean, you know, sometimes, especially when I come here, people are like, yo, so why you not just take a little job from somewhere over this and, you know, make a little money, you know? But that is not always the thing. Money is great. But you see the thing in your soul, when they say, yo, this is what you want, follow that. You gotta follow that. You know, you have to believe in that. You know, especially especially if you if you just know within yourself. Um, I've I've encountered a lot of people, you know, who I felt who I've tried to tell the same thing to, but my understanding for them situation and my situation might not have been the same. You know, while I did just move from here and to a point, I was staying in hostels. I was willing to sleep anywhere <laughs> for just make what might do right now happen, you know? And everybody want to risk that. I was ready to be homeless. You know what I mean? Mm. I sleep on enough coach. <laughs> shout out to Kemar, shout out to Dushan. Like, I've sleep on quite a few coaches just for, you know, that was me believing, say, yo, may I do it for something? Jamaica, we have this outlook that nobody know better than we. And that's a good mindset to have because... While it might seem arrogant, it helped me. You know, well, I believe say, yo, nobody no better than me. I mean, I do this theory, you know, it's gonna work out. With that, you also need to have a level of awareness. And you have to you have to really be true to yourself in looking at what whatever field you're in, what what if it's whatever creative and, and or any anything really. You have to really look at what everybody else is doing and what you can offer to that space and make a decision from this so yeah you yeah. can't just be out here doing crap and and, and saying nobody know you know nobody know better than me you know because even though i know that i could always go back to rochester you know and, and come my family's there but i was like yo at some point you have to assess the situation that you're in and know when you can lose and know when you can't lose and you have to, and, you know sometimes you have to just give up a little comfort every now and then it's not yeah. sound little. It's sound big. If you possibly think of going home homeless. <laughs> but, 
Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. But I, I knew within myself that I wouldn't be homeless because can I always just go back to Rochester? So, mm. and that leads into what I was saying. Like, you have to know when you can lose or when you can win. It's kind of like me saying, look, if anything goes south in America, we can always move back to Jamaica. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds scary. It sounds very scary because then, like, your pride, you have to accept that, like, you've lost. And that is what hurts yeah. the most. Now, even you going back to Upper New York is kind of like saying, like, I failed. So it hurts. Mm-hmm. No, you know me no mm-hmm. way. Like, you know, the essence of, like, Macomb, maybe try, I was doing, and then it didn't work out. Some people see that as failure. No, you know why? And I've, and I've come to terms with that uh, a long time ago. Not because I feel at anything. But you see, when I decided to move back to Jamaica for dumb school, Edna, that was, that was different. <laughs> like a lot of people move back to Jamaica after moving to America, you know. Um, I think it took me out for the, the belief that, yo, going back means you feel that something. Going back can mean that, yo, sometimes you have to just take one step. What is this I'm saying? Like, you have to take one step back, to take 10 steps forward or something like that. It's regrouping, you know. You have to really shift your, the, the way that you choose to look at it. It's a perspective thing. The world doesn't set up for, for negativity get thrown at you. And the worst you can do for yourself is, is, is not allow yourself some grace. You know what I mean? Yeah, you might have tried something and it might have fit, fit for you, but you try. Now, how can you like top that? You know, if it's still something that you want, you know, don't make it defeat you because of one instance, you know? But that has always been my mindset, you know, where I was just like, yo, if I, even if I had to move to Rochester, my nose of me going back was only going to push me much further than, than where, wherever I was at when I decided to move back, you know? But you really have to believe in yourself. You know, you have, you have, to, you have to really feel it. You know, you can't let, you, you can't watch faith as we, we would have said in Jamaica, you know? Because everybody out there struggling up. Everybody out there deal with them own thing, and the reality is that people probably not watch your problem. People, people probably so busy caught up with for them own problem that them not really watch your problem. Yes, some one and two people might say, "Oh, move, come back, I'm oh, sure, you know, I should, never should feel that so." Yeah, one and two people that you know, much other people in our world are going through worse than whatever you might might have might be going through. Don't make your pride get in the way of yourself and you moving forward. When I got fired from my first job there, I felt away. I felt away, <laughs> you know? It made me wonder. I was like, yo, shit, am I any good at this? I had to catch myself and make me realize, yo, no, no, you can't invite them into your life. You are good at what you do. You are good at what you do, you know? And sure enough, I am good at what I did. It's just that culturally, me and that company would never really mesh like that, you know. And this is me looking back on that experience with wisdom. Had I stopped after that, would I just always have that as the one bad memory in my life as to why I never pursued my career in design? Like, whatever your experience, if it's a negative, it doesn't have to always be negative. Anything negative in the moment could be positive in the future. You know, you never know how your life will turn out. And I feel like you have to just always be willing to move. You know, all right, yeah, something this happened, but I'm gonna keep growing. You know, we can we can do more. We can be more. Yuri, thank you for being you. There is only one you. And I see how it is that you've owned your Eunice. And I'm grateful that you shared your experience with us on the Unlimited Creative Podcast. All right. Yeah. And I'll see you soon when it is that you actually have in-person cooking classes, (laughs) um, cook and sip sessions. You know, I can't wait. And where can can everyone find you? D-U-E-R-Y underscore. Boom. Deary underscore. Love that. Thank you, Deary. Thank you. No problem. Big up yourself. You don't know where the thing go. 
I hope you've enjoyed this session. Follow me on Instagram at Renny Kitson for more inspiration. Remember that you are enough and that only you can be you. Just go and own up your unison. Boom, bang, bang. <laughs>